what is the kingdom of God like Jesus asked him to what shall I compare it? Love has been compared to a lot of things, a lot of dumb things in life. Um, and I'm going to give you some quotes of what love has been compared to. And, and these, aren't, these, aren't, these aren't profound quotes, and some of them are just silly quotes uh, made by silly people, I think. But we'll, we'll talk about them. Love is, why is that picture there? Listen, love is like a rubber band. Oh, okay. It's held at both ends by two people. When one leaves, the other person falls down. Love is like a rubber band. Awesome. Uh, I didn't realize that. So love is like an hourglass. Here it comes. Love is like an hourglass with, with the heart filling up as the brain empties. With the heart filling up as the brain empties. Love is like a violin. The music may stop now and then, but the strings remain forever. What does that mean? I can't figure that one out. Love is like a violin. Um, okay, here, here's someone reached for this. Love is like, like a Rubik's Cube. Okay, why? Well, it requires knowledge, variety, time, and playfulness. There's no guarantee you'll solve the puzzle. But if you do, you'll have that happy feeling at the end. So, a phrase... Power dweeb comes to mind. I don't know if you understand or just big old nerd, but a nerd's okay, but I'm just saying, um, who thought of that and why? Love has been likened to a phone call. It, it's, sorry. It starts with hello, then after all, it ends with goodbye. Love is like a phone call. Or how about this? Love is like pulling on different ends of a rope while leaning back and running in circles. It's amazing until one person gets bored and lets go, so the other falls to the ground in pain. These are elaborate and, and really dumb. Um, I don't know if love is like that. Here you, Now, this might be true for some people. Um, finding love is like finding shoes. Did you know that? Finding shoes. Uh, sometimes people go after the good-looking ones, but they end up choosing the one they feel comfortable with. I don't know what that, I don't know who that say, who, what that's saying about whom. And finally, tell me who said this. Love is like a brick. You can build a house or you can sink a dead body. Love is like a brick. Lady Gaga. We, we, so we don't, you know, she said it, we'll move on. Um, but we come back to this important question, more important than any dumb thing that, I, that I've read. What is the kingdom of God like Jesus says, and to what shall I compare it? He's been talking, he's been teaching, and people, been, people have been uh, listening to him. They've been in awe of him. And, and now he comes to this question, and he's getting ready to go. He's already used some parables, but he's going to uh, use parables, these stories that that teach more in more d directions than you think at first, if you ponder them. And so he says that this question warrants comparing something to the kingdom of heaven. And so he goes off and he tells some stories. Well, what is the kingdom of heaven? What is the kingdom of God? It's referring to the church. And I say this long scripture reading on the screen, hope. And also, and I also say to you that you are Peter. So Peter just got through um, acknowledging and, and saying that you are the son of God. And he says, you're Peter on this rock, this confession of you are the son of God. He says, I'm going to uh, build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys 
of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so the kingdom of heaven is like. We're going to talk about some of those examples, some of those parables. uh, As he answers this question, Uh, we're going to look at those parables tonight. And again, we need to understand a parable is a story. And we, you know, we don't know if it really happened. Jesus is saying as if it had. So it, it most likely has happened um, but he uses them to illustrate. So, se- several years ago, someone was complaining about a preacher, and they said they just keep using these stories when they preach. And the response, you mean illustrations? Yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Well, that's how Jesus taught. We talked about that a few weeks ago, uh, that Jesus was the master teacher. He asked questions. He told stories. He, he gave examples. But here he's telling some parables um, and he starts out with in Matthew 3 13 24 and 30 and then he follows that up in 36 and 43 he talks about a man who sowed good seed in his field and this is a parable of the tares and the wheat if you remember that story so he talks about this man uh, who sows good seed in his in his field And while he sleeps, and this is a large farm apparently, while he sleeps, someone came, his enemy, Scripture says, his enemy came and sowed tares. Well, another word for tare, T-A-R-E, is false wheat. Is false wheat. And and it's hard to tell the difference. There's wheat and then there's tare. There's wheat and then there's false wheat. So this, this stuff is growing up in the same place. I don't know if you've ever played with these. You know, this on the right, it reminds me of those little uh, little plants that you pull a little bit off. Have you ever played the darts? We call them darts, grass darts. And so what would you... Yeah, spear grass. And what would you do with those? Shoot them in people's eyes. What? Throw it, to your Throw it at your friend. We always threw it at our friend's backs. So they didn't know that they had a back full of these spear grass uh, particles. And so, but this to me reminds me of it on the, on the right. So he sows false wheat and then scripture says what? He goes his way. The enemy does. So um, the man wakes up and he, and no, his servants come to him, tell him your enemy has sowed seed. And Jesus is comparing himself in this situation to good seed sown. So I I referred to 36 through 43 of Matthew 13. In 1337, he says, because, and the reason he's saying this is because his disciples took him aside and said, you're teaching a lot of parables. Why? And what do they mean? Can you explain all that you taught? And it's not the first time that they do it. And it's not the only time that they're going to do it. So he says, he answered and said to them, his disciples who want to know what it means, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Now, remember, he starts out with the kingdom of heaven is like. Um, and so he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Jesus is comparing the enemy to whom, would you say? If you read the screen, you can tell me. Sorry? Yeah, the devil. That's what he says. The enemy who sowed them, what? The false wheat is is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. But he says among the wheat, so the wheat are the good people, 
um, or, or the, you know, the people that have been growing in a healthy environment, God-like people, and not that there are bad people, but people who are in bad situations are growing in a false environment, growing in a, they are growing negatively, and in the end, that's the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's what the, the, that's what he says the kingdom of heaven looks like, is like, and you wonder, well, how does that work? And there are a couple of facets to this uh, that I see. One, the church, the kingdom of heaven is like this. There are, there's wheat and there's false wheat. And not that we're going to be pointing fingers at people, but, but we know that there's false wheat among, among any group of people. How? Well, Satan is working in our lives. And sometimes, and I'm telling you, I'm not pointing my finger at anyone. You're false wheat. You're false wheat. You're a tear. T-A-R-E. You need to get... Because sometimes I act as false wheat. And I think, if you think about it, we all at different times, maybe not you, but I know me, at different times I functioned as false wheat. In other words, I looked like a Christian, but I didn't act like a Christian. I talked like a Christian, but I, but I didn't act like a Christian. Um, I went through the motions that a Christian, and I was I was within, surrounded by other Christians, but I wasn't living. And and it comes and goes. If you think about it, there are times when we show up, and we don't want to think of it. There are times when we show up and we're thinking about other things. We come to worship. Our minds and our hearts aren't here. Um, and and if we're in that state. When Christ comes about, what does he say? The enemy sowed them as the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. The reapers are the angels. And what, what do the servants do? What does the owner tell the servants to do in order to take care of the false wheat? Do you remember? First, harvest the tares and get rid of them. And then harvest the wheat. So, get ri- so the angels come. Get rid of the tares. You're going to burn them. You're going to get rid of them, and then the, the wheat you're going to harvest and, and enjoy that harvest. Um, so, so he uses that, that the, the parable of the tares. Um, and then at Luke 8, 11, the word of God, 1 Peter 1, 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So how do we get us, how, how are we, told to to become and to remain that in that wheat like condition how what are we told and here you can look through the word through the word of god that that abides in it, that, that that abides forever and we get in that word and we learn that word and we live in that word and we grow in that word and we will uh, the word will stay in us and live forever not that the world word will ever die but within us um, we can kick it out of our lives um, just as well as 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 anything else but that's the last thing we need we talked about that last week people who make a d- dumb decision to not follow god to not continue to follow god and so so the, the kingdom of heaven is like that the field is the world the good seeds are the son of the kingdom but, but the tares are the son of the wicked one Think about that. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sun. So we bring it now to a world and, and, and we learn that there will be a harvest and that, that, that there will be uh, a punishment. The kingdom of God. Where am I? The kingdom of God. There will always be 
a mixture of good and evil in the world. Always. You, you see that picture? I don't know if you can see that. It took me a second. We could, okay, so good and evil and evil in good. There will always be good and evil in existence at the same time. A mixture. And so we need to let... And, okay, and I believe, what is evangelism? If you, you could describe evangelism using the analogy of the wheat and the false wheat. What... What's the what's what's what happens to the false wheat um, at the end? The false wheat will be burned up. But evangelism, what are we doing? So to, in a, in a way, we're we're teaching the false wheat the way of God, so they become true wheat. That happens. You, you think that uh, there's a sinner and he's living or she is living their lives as a sinner, and you we don't give up on that those people, do we? We we don't we don't turn our backs on them and say, well. They're doomed. They're just going to hell. I'm not, and so I'll just leave them to it. And we don't give up on them. We we teach them the word. We continue to be with them. We don't just throw throw the Bible at them. And say you read this, and if you decide to be better, then do it. But I I've done what I'm supposed to do, and we don't do that. We stay with them, and and we allow the word to transform them. But there will always be uh, good and evil, and so. Let each, so the master says, let both grow together until the harvest. At, and at the time of the harvest, I say to you, to the reapers, first gather together the tares, bind them in bundles, burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, where's the barn in this analogy? What's the barn? Yeah, I, I think it is heaven. I will gather them to my barn. When? When the angels come to reap. At what point is that? When Christ comes back, where will we end up if we're faithful and, and true to his word? In the barn. In the barn, which, you know, you think, well, that's a barn. It doesn't sound so good. It sounds great. Why? Because Christians will be there. God will be there. Christ will be there. And so it's compared to the, to the tares and the wheat, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 13, 31 through 32. What is that? It's a booger. No, it's not a booger. It's, it's, a, it's a mustard seed. It's a mustard seed, supposedly. I don't really know what they look like. Maybe that's not one, but that's what I found. And in Matthew 13, 31, 32, another parable, it reads, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. A man took, sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Well, what's he teaching? What have you learned about this parable? In the past, you've probably heard this parable taught and preached about, but what do you get from it? Some of the facets, some of the, uh, some of the anal parts of the an analogy, some of the allegories. What are some of the allegories that go along with this, uh, the, with this parable? The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Well, what about that? What's the must? Yeah. Uh huh. Starts out small, continues to grow. Is this evangelism that we're talking about? Is this growing the church? Well, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Yes. Starts out small, large. Um, it's it provides shade. It provides a place for the for the uh, birds to come and nest in it in its branches. I don't know the allegory there. Maybe you've heard something. I've taught about it, but I'm not sure what that is. But a small beginning gradually produces huge increases in the church. And that's the way it's supposed to work. That's the way that God intended it to work. And that's the way that we've seen it works. Now, you can say, um, well, is the church supposed to be 
huge. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's the body of Christ and it's worldwide. And so is it supposed to be huge? Yes. Then what about Matthew 7 where it te- and 13 and, and through 15 where it teaches about the, the broad way where a lot of people find it and it ends in destruction and the narrow way? What does that say about how many people are going to find it? Not very many. But is that saying that the church needs to be small? Not at all. Because we start out small, Jesus says, and end up with with a, with a mustard tree. Huh? Um, and there are a lot of trees, he says, that grow taller than the mustard tree. But Jesus most likely used this as an example. And as pointed out, it starts out small and gets huge. And there are other... What about okra seeds? I don't understand okra seeds. They, you grow okra and you harvest it and then you try to get rid of it and it just won't stop growing. I don't. It just pops up everywhere. And we used to, we used to get in trouble for taking these little seeds out of something... Do y'all have devil's claws out where you live still? Yes. What's a, what's a devil's claw? I said, yeah. And they grow out. So what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, Claude? These things that, that they catch your foot and they, they grow out. They start off with this okra looking seed, grows out, makes a hook. And so there's, there are two arms. You walk through a field of them and you end up with them stuck all over your legs. Devil's claws. And um, starts out with a seed. We used to get, we'd go to Colorado in Southeast Corner, collect these seeds, come home with them, and they would, we would plant them on purpose because we thought those things were cool. And my dad grew up among those. He didn't like it too well, but a little seed, a little seed of not good stuff can ruin some good stuff. But this is a great seed, Jesus says. And so what is this? God intends the church to be growing from small, beginnings to greater proportions depends on what depends on us doing what planting the seed and what happens and paul says what about him uh, about planting and watering who planted paul who who watered paulus and and then who who gave the increase God gave the increase. And so so it has to do with influence. Jesus uses that analogy of, of influencing other people, uh, us being influenced Christian as Christians to other people. And he does that in a, diff, a few different ways. And so that small seed, we plant it, grows to a mustard seed. That's, that's a church. That's a body of Christ. And that is a wonderful thing to watch grow. And you can also say one of the allegories is, what about the seed planted in us? And it starts out small and we're babes in Christ and or we're being taught um, about about Christ and the gospel that he was that Jesus um, died, was buried and resurrected. It starts out small. And as the as the student learns and it grows and grows and eventually you have someone who can who can apply scripture in almost every area of their lives because their faith and their knowledge has grown uh, like that, so it depends on our influence, and, and he teaches that in thirteen thirty three. So we go from thirteen uh, thirty one and thirty two to thirty three. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. What's leaven? Yeast. Yeast. So you read that. That's kind of a Bible word. No one says uh, I, I I need some leaven, but they will get what's what's the brand of yeast that everyone gets? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Fleischmann's. And so you get a little package of Fleischmann's and that's yeast. But you wouldn't say, I've got some leaven here. So he says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven or yeast, 
which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Again, again, influence. And we'll, we'll talk about that for a few seconds. The parable teaches about influence. When, at what point did the leaven start to work? At what point? Yeah, right away. Right away. And, and yes, you read that um, she took it, hid in, hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Until what was, so she hid it in there, put it in there, it was all leaven. But what, what happens when leaven gets in a lump of, uh, of, of dough? As soon as it's introduced, what happens? Sorry? Yeah, it starts expanding. And, and you get so excited. Um, Janice makes, I don't want to pick on you, but you make these dinner rolls. But don't you put a towel over them and let them grow or whatever? Because when we see the towel on the kitchen with a round shape, we know it's not pie. It's those stinking good uh, dinner rolls. You know, yes. And so we're excited. But the, you can't just make them and throw them in, right? You have to let them. Take several hours, but man, they're they're great. So, and remember this: it's not banana bread. In my mind, that's remember this phenomenon: friendship bread. Do <laughs> you remember friendship bread? Oh man, it starts without with just a few loaves, and then it multiplies, and then all of a sudden, you and the idea is you have this starter. And you put it, someone gives you a, and it's usually, later on it was coming in, in Ziploc bags, and you'd pour this, no, you'd keep it in the bag, and then what did you have to do to it a couple of times a day? We would call. Do you remember? you got to mash it around, and then say, burp it. Got to burp and And then as it expands, what do you do? Well, you make bread. What's the friendship part of it? Giving someone a loaf of bread that you've made. What's the non-friendship part of it. You don't have enough friends to, to, so you give, to, to give bread to, so you give the mix, the dough, and what it multiplies. And if we had all the loaves of friendship bread that we, that we made when that, phenom- when that craze was going, how much room would that take? We could fill the auditorium with bread. And it's good bread, but it just got out of hand. So I was thinking about having friends. Do you have enough friends to give friendship bread to? Now, Facebook, you can have Facebook bread and then spread that all over to people and they can have friendship, friendship, Facebook bread. And then you can, you know, make as much as you want to. But I'm talking about the example, the leaven. And that's a silly thing. Um, The leaven that you put into a situation, you you take a little leaven and you put it in someone's life. Who's the leaven? The church is like the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. And we can influence. In what ways should we be influencing people in our lives? Well, our our example to other. Well, no, I, I missed a scripture. I'm going to read Philippians 1:20. Listen to this, Philippians 1:20. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. What was what was Paul saying? I want to be influential, but I don't want it to be me that's that's the influence. What does he say he wants? That Christ be magnified in his body, in his life, with his life. And so 
that Christ, that we put uh, ourselves as leaven, possibly, or Christ as leaven, and and that should expand in people's lives like crazy, and then and then Christians are grown. I showed this picture. Kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found. He hides, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And so in a, in, a, in a large sense, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast and wheat. But this gets a little personal. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that one person found. And he got excited about it. He sounds like he stumbled on. It's, and some people have said, well, was he trespassing? I don't know. He's just he's walking around. And he, I don't know the situation. Maybe there were signs and said no trespassing in Hebrew, Aramaic, and and Greek. I don't know. But but um, he is going through this field. He finds the have the the treasure, and it's seen as a personal thing. And so, what do we need to to, to do or or sell or get rid of in order to be a part of the kingdom? Last week we talked about this idea. You want to come to Christ? What do you have to do? You do something. You have to do something. We talked about this in class Sunday morning. Christianity is is something that you do. It's not something that you say you're going to do. It's not something that you intend to do. Christianity is, a do, is something that you do. And so what is it that you do in order to get this treasure? You get rid of some things. And what does he say? What's the first thing? Uh, we want to come after him. We want this treasure. What do we do? What did the man in the field do? He got rid of things. What do we get rid of first? Ourselves. Oh, that's easy. That's easy. I got to get rid of myself. Well, what about myself? Because I still got to eat, and I still got to, I still got to go. Through, I still got to live, and I still got. So, I. What am I going to deny? How How do you deny yourself? If someone asks you, I read this in the scriptures. I need to. If I want, I do want to follow Christ, but I'm going to deny myself. How would you explain that? What What kind of lifestyle is one of self denial? What did, what did what does Paul teach about that? Deny yourself. Deny yourself the pleasures of the world, your temptations, turning your back on those things um, that, that that are sinful. You know, so that that's one aspect I believe. Um, deny yourself. Deny your carnal uh, desires. What else? Desires. Deny himself. Forget about himself. And then what? Take up his cross. What's significant about that? What's interesting? Jesus doesn't say what? Take up whose cross? He doesn't say my cross. He says his cross. Deny yourself. Take up his cross. What is his cross? Well, we all have. What's the saying? We all have a cross to bear. Well, what would that be? I think for each person it's a different thing. But what is a cross used for? With Jesus. Death. To die. Take up his cross. Kill those things. Uh, or kill yourself. When we're baptized into Christ, it's a, Romans teaches us that it's a death, that we're, we're going through the process of dying, being buried, and resurrected into a new man. So we die to ourselves, and Paul taught that. We die to ourselves, and then we follow him. Once we, once we go through that process, it's a doing thing. We sell, we get rid of these things, and then we're free to take that treasure. Um, we take up the truth. Buy the truth. Do not sell it. Also, wisdom and instruction and, and understanding. Buy the truth. Do not sell it. What's the truth? What did Jesus say the truth was? 
Huh? The Bible. And he says, he says, uh, wait, I want to go back. He says that I am the way, the truth. I am the truth. I am, I am the truth. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Buy the truth. King of New Heaven, we talked about this last week, is, is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had and bought it. What does this remind you of uh, in, in an encounter with Christ? Eddie just preached about it. The rich young man, the rich young ruler, uh, couldn't give up his treasure. And what did he want? What, what did he ask? Good teacher, he, he asked. What do I need to do to inherit the king, inherit to go to heaven? And Jesus says, you know, about the commandments, you know the commandments. He said, I've kept them. The young man says, then go and sell your things and give to the poor. And, and the young man couldn't do it. And so we sell everything we have, hopefully, so that we can have this pearl of great price. Some things to notice. What's the difference between the parable of the man who found the treasure and the, and the pearl guy? And the pearl guy. Pearl guy's looking specifically for this. The, guy, the other guy's stumbling. I don't know if that's significant, but Matthew says, Matthew 7, 7, Ask, seek, knock. It'll be given to you. It'll be open. To, the door will be open to you. Uh, the kingdom is like, we, we have a few minutes, dragnet, not that dragnet, but that's what I thought of. And some of you have no idea what that is, right? If I say down, da down, down, can you remember that? So Dragnet, not that show with, with Jack. What was his name? Jack. Anyway, Matthew thirteen forty seven through fifty. The the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. It was cast into the sea, gathered some of every kind, which when it was full they drew to shore, they sat down, they gathered the good into vessels. Uh, but through the bad away, so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separated the wicked among the just, cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So just like a, a net. If you ever play, one of my favorite things to do instead, like before you go fishing, is to get the bait. And how do you get the bait? Well, some people buy the bait. And like I have to buy it because I'm not going to catch what I need. But I'd love to throw. Do you, Kenny, do you throw the net? Do you throw a net? You don't, a cast net? Because you never know what you're going to get in that thing. And, and so you pull it up and you don't want the crabs and you don't want the, you know, some of the things. You do want some of the other things, but you throw away what you don't. Draws all kinds of people, the good and the bad. The neck, the neck collects it. People who are ready to be collected, people who are going to be thrown away. And it teaches, I think, that not all who have been caught up in the gospel are going to be saved. And I say that because there's also another parable about the good soil and, and, and the bad soil, and what's the idea? The good seed fell, I mean, the seed fell on good ground, and there was, there was abundance, but there were other, you know, the seed fell on rocky soil, the seed fell on, on shallow soil. Um, but there's a point. 1341. The Son of Man will send out His angels. They will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend. All those who practice lawlessness. What is, what is lawlessness? Lawlessness is sin uh, in First Peter. Lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, does this, I hope that this doesn't motivate or doesn't not motivate you to go out into the world and teach because, again, I believe those things 
those those things that Jesus is talking about, the the bad fish or the the riffraff or the um, in this case those things that offend those who practice lawlessness. We don't give up on those people until it's until it's time to you know to to Jesus comes back. We don't give up on them. Why? Because Jesus can transform those. What were we before we became Christians? Think about it. Sinners. But, I mean, you just think about your life. You're a Christian now. What was it like when you first became a Christian? I mean, before. What, how were you living? It was terrible for me sometimes. I mean, un, ungodly and getting into things that I shouldn't have. And we all have things that we struggle with. And then we became Christians. And immediately we were perfect. Yeah. That's kind of a little joke, isn't it? But, we're, but immediately we were forgiven. And immediately we weren't, we weren't evil anymore. And immediately we were, we were the ones in the net that would get taken, that would get the, the wheat that would get put in the barn. We were the, we were the ones that had sold everything and then we get to inherit this treasure, this, this pearl of great price. We were the ones. But at what point did it happen when we decided not to be the evil ones anymore, not to be the ones who, who did offend and practice lawlessness? And so how did we become Christians? Someone taught us. Someone introduced the word. It could have been your preacher or, or individuals or whatever. But at one point you realized, I'm, I'm not going to heaven if Jesus were to come back. And so at that point you were a tear. You were an evil one. You were a bad fish. You were whatever the negative things are, you were that. So don't give up on people just because they're not Christians. We we study with them and we plant the seed. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is like as well. The influence that we have is to plant the mustard seed, to plant the good seed, and, and, and things like that. People are starting to come in. I don't know at what point we're going to, I guess when we offer the invitation, Maria. So y'all just surround her, protect her. And until that time, but I appreciate the attention that you've, you've tried to extend and, and we, we have blazed through this lesson. But thanks, y'all.